You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. Man, is anyone else just glad to be in the house of God right now? Man, am I the only one that's just like, oh, I'm here. Thank you, God. I just love this church. I love this church, man. I just, I love what God's doing here. It's amazing. It's amazing. We're going to get into episode three of Be Present. Man, I'm going to preach you guys. It was so hard not to just hang on that song the whole time. I'll be honest, man. I just wanted to give it the big, you know, that that creed. You guys remember the creed? You know? <laughs> that voice. I don't know. Is anyone else just turn full? I mean, women start growing beards during that song. I don't know. You know, like how many cigars do you have to smoke to sing it like that? We don't endorse that. We're not one of those Calvinistic churches. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, if you guys will, turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to jump into it right now. And listen, if you have a Bible, I'm, I'm a fan of the old school print Bible. I need a Bible that doesn't have any notifications other than the one, the divine ones. But if you uh, want, you can download our app and you can get our Bible um, through that app as well. And I'm going to be reading out of the message translation uh, today. I'd say read whatever translation you're actually going to read. Um, come on, somebody. But I just want to bring it home. It's episode three. Um, next week, we are going to take over this venue. It was actually a radically generous pastor who said, man, you could use our building for that night, which is great because, you know, it gets a little cozy in here. And with Star Wars playing and then we wonder the movie work being displaced for the movie wonder. It's just great that this guy's willing to open up his doors and let us take it over for a night. So how, how about this? I can't think of a better Christmas than sharing it with all my spiritual family for one hour, just blowing the roof off of that place with worship. Am I right? Doesn't that sound like the best Christmas you can have? You know what I mean? If you don't have your uncle getting drunk on eggnog, being all weird. <laughs> just, anyways. So we're in Luke chapter 1, and we're verse 26. I want to tell you a story about a teenager. She was, she was a woman, I guess, in every, every regard. And she just knew something about character. She knew something about integrity. She knew something about just doing right and being right with God. And this, this young woman, she didn't trip on like, where am I going to go to college? And what's my career going to be? And how am I going to manufacture this destiny for myself? And how am I going to politic and slide into all these DMs so I can manipulate relationships to get to the next level? You know, maybe you know somebody like that. This this woman wasn't like that. She actually um, was just pure hearted before the Lord. And, and she didn't try to figure it all out. She lived in the moment. She was somebody who just felt like it was okay to just know God for who he is and let him know her for who she is. And because... She was like this because she had integrity, because she could be trusted. Her destiny was given to her. And, you know, we live in a society, we live in a world that kind of teaches us like we've got to go on this journey to find ourselves because that's what all the Disney movies show us. And we've got to go to school. And, and you know, you have high school teachers that are convincing you, you got to know what you're going to do for college because you don't want to take the wrong classes. And then you get to college and then, you know, you do that thing. And it's just like every voice in your life is sort of convinced you that if you don't know what you should be doing right in that very moment, something is fatally wrong with your life. 
Am I right? You know, and that's just sort of the conditions that we live in nowadays. But what I love about this woman is that she wasn't in that space. She just wanted to do right in the eyes of God. God found favor with her. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the um, Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. That's freaky, okay? I don't, I've never been woken up by an angel, but I imagine that would be weird. It says she was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. She was shook, right? But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Surprise. Don't you love those God surprises? You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. The title of this message today, for those of you who take notes, we have any note takers here? All right. We're a church that loves to learn. The title of this message is Take Your Time. Can you just tell the person next to you, maybe elbow them, tell them, take your time. (laughs) Take your time. Take your time. You know, let me just tell you a little something about, um, I've never been pregnant. I've had food babies. But I had three like cheeseburgers from McDonald's last night. It was like, you ever you ever make the order and then you actually surprise yourself? Like, you're capable of that. Like I ordered three cheeseburgers and my first thought was like, I'm that guy now. I've graduated to, the, to that level of depravity that I would order three. That's 1,200 calories, people. So anyways, last night I was telling myself, you've got to get out of this driveway or the drive-thru. You've got to get out of the drive-thru. You can't eat three cheeseburgers but then my other thought was you're a pastor they already cooked the food if you get out of the drive-thru you stole from them in a weird kind of way so you have to eat it this is the war going on inside of me when you're like what happens in his mind it's cheeseburgers so my wife on the other hand how many of you love just pastor julie you love her Anyways, we kind of co-pilot this thing, and she's incredible. But, you know, when you make a human being in your body, I don't know, but uh, it it causes you to sometimes gain weight, baby weight. You know, it's like, it's for the baby, though. It's for the baby, right? Um, And so after she had Everly, she was like, you know, babe, I just want to lose the rest of this weight. And then I clicked into, like, ultra-supportive husband. This could be the first thing you put in your notes. And I was just like, oh, babe, you're perfect the way that you are. If you know, girl, I love you, girl. Don't you worry about that baby weight. You're my baby. You need that weight. I don't know. It's sickening. I know. Oh, it's sickening. I'm going to preach and spit and foam at the mouth. It's coming. But right now I'm just having fun because uh, this is the funniest story I think I've had in a long time. It was a couple years ago after Everly was born. She was trying to use, lose the baby weight and she was like, I'm going to eat vegetables only, like a no carbs, right? Now, if you're anything like me, carbs remind you that God is good. <laughs> That's how, that's how you cross over from atheism to Christianity was carbs. Because you knew, like, there has to be a God. So 
so Julie goes on this journey of like no carbs and it's our first day and she's trying to slam through this process that nature doesn't necessarily want you to slam through and so she's eating carrots and celery all the way to this big church event now we have an organization that we're uh, connected with called link and we were like the church planners that lived in Indiana that were going to go to New York to launch this church so there was already sort of a spotlight on us because we were in the audience and you know it was just like we were it just we it's hard to hide in this group right and there's hundreds of people and all of a sudden this guy's preaching this epic message and he gets all the way down to the close of the message and it, it's like he made one of those preacher moments where you get real quiet and you let the room settle a little bit so people can like realize they're actually somewhere physical and material because you know our minds wander so much so he creates this like solemn, holy moment where people are wrestling with God, like ministry leaders from all over the U.S. are like wrestling with God in this silent, holy moment. And then Julie goes next to me and she's like, babe, I don't feel good. And then right after that, she goes like this and just cracks her head on this wooden chair in front of us and falls to the floor. My first thought was like, my wife just died in church. That's awesome. Oh, just kidding. You're like, you just go from like heaven on earth to heaven in heaven. But then my second thought was, I don't want to live alone. This is too soon. What's happening? And I freaked out and I'm down there. Now this guy who's communicating from the stage is, is a boss because he never acknowledges it like at all. He just continues to close out. Okay. And the Lord, and I don't know if he just thought they must be Pentecostals. They just, you know, she got slain in the spirit. The Lord just took her out. I was preaching so good. I, you know what? I don't even have to lay hands on that one over there. They just went down. And so Julie's down on the ground and I'm panicking because I'm not trained in any way, shape, or form for anything medical. I just do movie stuff, like rip your shirt off and just make a tourniquet, you know? So I get down there. I didn't do that. <laughs> I get down there and I'm just like, what? And then somebody's like, is she having a seizure? Like, make sure that you get any gum out of her mouth. So now I'm fishing in Julie's mouth and she's out cold and she's like, oh, like that. I'm like feeling for gum. I'm like, she's dead. I've never seen her like this before. She's dead. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, someone, a paramedic comes running because they had someone on staff and they were like, her blood sugar's probably low. Give her this mint. And then they like put a mint in her mouth and she went like that. I was like, whoa, it's that easy. And so I don't know why I told that story. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. Nature knows process. And when you violate it, it will pay you back. Yeah. Okay, there's your wisdom key in this. It's like, yeah, maybe low carbs, but when you just slam in the high gear and you put, you introduce this ingredient, it's this ingredient called hurry. Can you all say hurry? hurry? Okay, when you introduce that ingredient, hurry, in high doses in your life, it's toxic. It literally, nature, your body, your circumstances will begin to revolt against you. Like, like take your drive to church this morning. If you introduce too much hurry, there are these like angelic beings called cops <laughs> who are, are dispatched by God to remove hurry from your life by giving you a ticket. It's like divine. It's like their way of saying like you are violating a lot. And see in our minds, and this is the way that we're wired, and, the, and I'm going to get back to the Bible in a second, but the way that we're wired... It is to believe that the solution is more hurry. Like, I'm going to be late for church. I have to speed. It's necessary. Now, you're never going to tell yourself, you know what I have to do? 
I have to get off at Instagram an hour earlier so I can get on the road for longer. But you, in fact, tell yourself, no, I know the real problem here. I'm not driving fast enough. <laughs> and, you, and you begin to deposit more and more hurry. Say hurry. hurry. More and more hurry into your life at toxic levels, and it breaks you down. And some of you in life are kind of at that awkward phase where you're standing next to your husband or wife, or you're standing next to somebody in life, your coworkers, and you're like, I don't feel good. And you're getting ready to go out. And I'm here to just introduce something else, like the little uh, lifesaver of life, the little dose of patience. And today I'm going to teach the most rebellious message I can preach in this society. I'm going to talk to you about patience. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Somebody said, please, I love you. Somebody ordained them right now. Print their certificate for ministry. <laughs> you know, there's this uh, research that was done by this guy, guy named Dr. Gottman, and he observed that happy couples. Are there any couples here in the room? Anyone here who wants to be a couple? You're like, you know how broke I am this holiday season? See, you got, you're smart singles because you're like, I'm waiting until there ain't no gift exchange expected. We're, we just taught about generosity. Anyways, couples, okay. couples who turn toward their partners approximately 20 times more. Or, or let me say this again. Dr. Gutman observed that happy couples, couples who are happy, they turn toward their partners approximately 20 times more than couples who are in distress. Turn to the, towards them more. Okay? And then it says this in a newlywed study, newlyweds who were still married six years after their wedding had turned toward each other 86% of the time while they're in a lab environment. Those who were divorced six years later, however, had only turned toward each other 33% of the time. Every time you turn towards your partner's bid for emotional connection, you are making a deposit yeah. into their emotional account. Yeah. How many of you know that there are bids for affection yeah. being made every day? Now listen, some of you guys are like, ain't nobody bidding for my affection. If somebody in your workplace turns towards you and is like, hey man, what do you think about the game last night? Let me just tell you this, that's actually a bid for Affection. It's a big a bid for intimacy. Now it, it's not romantic, but it's like they could have went on their phone and and got that same information. They could have watched the play by play of the game. Why did they ask you about the game? Because it's a bid for intimacy. They want to get closer to you. And all of you in this room are constantly experiencing these bids for intimacy. You know, the first five bids of intimacy that I made for my wife, she brutally rejected. And, and what she did, and what she did, was all this testosterone that you're, she just clicked the on button and said, okay, conquer now. You know? And I was like, you's going to be mine, girl. But see, a bid for intimacy can either be accepted, rejected, or ignored. And ignored is the same as rejected. And as I've been preaching this message to myself all week, I begin to acknowledge that all around me are these bids of intimacy that are happening all the time. And that I haven't been present enough because there's been toxic levels of hurry that have been in my life. Does somebody know I'm about ready to preach today? 
And I've been missing it. And I've had to tell myself, like, I honestly, honestly believe that if you were the Virgin Mary and the angel came to you, instead of being afraid, you'd be annoyed because they would interrupt at your phone time. You'd be like, you wouldn't hardly know what happened. There's people on their phones falling in the elevator shafts today in 2017. This is the world we live in. But you know what? I was thinking about this and it so it convicted me so much because I was thinking like I have gotten to the point because I get so one dimensional. Anyone who knows me knows I literally preach into myself this whole series. That's what I said I was going to do and I'm doing it. And I feel like I have become a better man as a result of applying these words each week to my own life. And do you know that? It's like there are times where my wife will talk to me and it's just like so normal for me to just continue looking forward. And and, in reading some of this, I've been like, man, it's a bid for intimacy. And so I turn and I look at her and I'm like, yes, honey. And she's like, wait, what? (laughs) And and you kind of go through that. And and it's like there is a bid for intimacy in your life. Oftentimes God is making a bid for intimacy with you. And how many times do you just miss it completely? How many times are you like, God, you're so far away. You're not here. And he was like, well, but if I could just show you all the bids for intimacy that I was making, but you had your own schedule. And you know what's funny? I hear from God. I think that any believer should, Emmanuel is God with us, but the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, is God inside of us. We should be able to hear through scripture, but also the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our heart. Do you know that most of the time, that I hear the Holy Spirit clearly is when I first wake up in the morning. And and it's like that used to be such a mystery to me until I realized that's the least hurry in my life. It's like right those few moments before I'm completely lucid and I'm sitting up, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me because I think, and this has convicted my heart, he he knows as soon as my feet touch the ground, hurry, that cycle of hurry. Somebody say hurry. Hurry. That cycle of hurry will begin to just enrapture him and I won't be able to talk to him again. And it just convicted my heart. So today I want to just tell you a little bit about what God says about hurry. This angel came to the Virgin Mary and said, I'm divinely disrupting your life. And I've got a process that I'm going to take you through. You're going to have a baby. His name's going to be Jesus. And she didn't know how it was all going to work out. There was a lot of plot twists when you continue to read the first and second chapter of Luke. But she just knew that the promise was given to her. She didn't have to strive. She didn't have to wrestle or fight for it. She just simply was being present with God. And then God gave her. And I think that makes no sense because we're so used to, you better get the grade. And some of you are literally living under the condemnation of your own works and what's been told to you about what you should have done and could have done with your life and you have just injected yourself with hurry and God's like, no, enough, enough, enough. And I think for me, this violates so much about who I am because I'm, I'm like, in my head, there's Gary Vaynerchuk cussing me out, telling me, grind, it's time to grind, right? And then there's the, the, my coach and people from my past telling me, come on, do more, push. But see, hurry isn't the same thing as do it faster. There's a distinction that we have to make. So can I tell you what hurry is? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay, now, for those of you who are note-takers, try to take this down. Um, get the podcast. I feel like there's a depth. I feel like what I'm about to read you is given to me, and I'm going to give it to you, okay? So hurry says that the right now is never really right. Hurry says that the present cannot possibly be perfect. Hurry says that God's design for time is wrong. Hurry exaggerates. Hurry hates process. Hurry steals the present. Hurry is a bad listener. Hurry's barbaric. Hurry is caffeine without good coffee. Come on. Hurry is Velcro shoes. Hurry is a liar. Hurry wants the same results as patience without paying the same price. Okay, let me say it like this. Hurry wants for free what patience pays for in full. Can I say it again? Yeah. Hurry wants for free what patience pays for in full. Hurry insults wisdom. Hurry is blind. Hurry is inspiration with no strategy. Hurry is sour expectation. Hurry is expectation mixed with fear. Hurry is louder than planning. Hurry is the immature version of urgency. Hurry disguises itself with a costume called help. Hurry makes the wrong things important. Hurry pretends to be necessary. Hurry locks the door of relationship and hurry will take your time. Somebody say, take your time back. <laughs> Hurry will steal your time. It will take your time. And you'll, it convinces you that the present moment can't possibly be right. Your teachers told you you are not right the way you are. You have to get a degree. Then when you got that degree, they told you you're still not the right way. You've got to get another degree. Go to graduate school. And then you got to. It's like it's never enough. The world has got you so induced in this coma called hurry. Isaiah 26 verse 3 through 6 says those who, it's another translation says that those whose minds are stayed on him, he keeps them in perfect peace. Eugene Peterson said in this version called the message, people with their mindset on you, God, you, you keep them completely whole. What's it mean? What's it mean to be fragmented? It means you used to be whole, but there's pieces of you that are scattered everywhere and hurry will scatter you in multiple directions. And but it says, wait a second. But if you keep your mind on the Lord, he will keep you completely whole. He will defragment your soul steady on their feet because they keep at it and they don't quit. It doesn't say they run. It doesn't say that they're hesitating. It doesn't say that they're striving. It says because they keep at it and they don't quit. There is a point in my life where I was like, man, I am the worst husband in the world. But I had to tell myself, Mike, don't hurry. You're going to keep getting better. You don't know a thing about what it means to be a real man because you never had one in your life. And now here I am, Jesus, the realest real man ever. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to take you on a journey. Don't hurry. Just give yourself some patience to be who I called you to be. And you know, I used to look back in horror at different stages, but I've learned to celebrate it. Man, I was a little stupid then. There's a little bit of 
stupidity right now. I'll work it out, but I got patience for myself. And here's what God says about this. I love what it says. Depend on God. This is Isaiah 26. And keep at it. Everyone say, keep at it. Yeah. You got to encourage yourself. Don't give up on this thing. Don't give, give up on this thing called following Christ. Keep at it. Depend on God and keep on. Don't depend on yourself. Don't depend on your brother and sister. Don't, don't depend on the bank account. Don't depend on medical science. Don't do, that stuff's good. We're not diminishing all those things. God will use those things as a conduit for his glory. But that is not ultimately your dependence. You're leaning not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, you're acknowledging him. And it says this, because in the Lord you have a sure thing. Anyone here want a sure shot? You got people buying bitcoins like it's a sure thing. You can donate them to me, though. I'll, I'll take them. You got people. You know, I love Julie, but Julie's not a sure thing. You know, we did these vows, and these vows said for in sickness and health, better or for worse. I mean, and sometimes you get both in a marriage. It ain't a sure thing. Sometimes she's there for me, and sometimes she misses the mark. But it says in Isaiah 26, it says, because in the Lord God, in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. But a sure thing takes a little bit of patience. Can I just read to you what God gave me about patience for you? Yeah. Okay, one person's going to get this. <laughs> patience never misses an opportunity. Come on, come on. Patience has 360 degree vision. Patience is the slow machine that generates grace. Patience is attracted to strategy. Attracted to strategy. Patience is attracted to, I gotta get some of that strategy. Patience listens to understand instead of listening just to respond. And I hate talking to people like that. You ever talk to somebody, you're looking them in their eyes and you're like, they are only waiting to respond. They are like cocked and loaded with whatever stupid thing they're about to tell me. And they are waiting for my lips to close so they can just explode it right out, okay? And here's the thing. Patience listens to understand. Man, this, this has rocked my world coming into this week. Patience believes God's timing is perfect. Amen. Patience heals those who have been wounded by hurry. You've been wounded by hurry. A one night stand. Maybe somebody in this room, somebody listening to the podcast, listening live, is literally the result of someone's hurry. I've got a desire I need to fulfill right now. Didn't know the consequence would be a birth of hurry. Wounded by hurry. In what ways have you been wounded by hurry? Somebody trying to get a fix, somebody trying to get a new job, somebody trying to get a new house, trying to go to the next thing, and their hurry has become your wound because you had to live disappointed by how it didn't all work out. Hurry will destroy your life, but patience is this. Let me keep going. Patience tranquilizes convulsing minds. Patience doesn't have to fix it, Patience is the fix. Now, this is for my men in the house. I got any married men? Stop trying to fix it. My wife told me yesterday, she was like, stop trying to fix it. I'm like, we're beyond that. <laughs> Patience doesn't have to fix it. Patience sometimes is the actual fix. Patience accepts the bid for intimacy. And patience turns towards the person. 
in this moment, God is giving you a bid for intimacy. He wants to know you. You're here. You could have been anywhere in the world, but there was something prompting your heart to put your clothes on, to get in a car, and to come out to this movie theater, and that prompting that you were getting was a bid for intimacy. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. The book of Romans says this. I'm going to read this whole thing. It's Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. It says, Christ arrives right on time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He always arrives right on time. Right. He ain't never late. Not maybe on your time. Not maybe on the bill collector's time, but he's always on time to make what happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He ain't in a hurry. God is not in a hurry, and he don't want you to be in a hurry either. It says he presented himself for us, the sacrifice, sacrificial death, and when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready, and even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person. Uh, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to uh, selfless sacrifice. And this is my favorite line. But God put His love on the line for us by offering His Son and sacrificial death while we're of no use to Him whatsoever. Would you just stand to your feet with me? Anyone who knows me in this room knows that I'm a gambling man. And I'm not talking slot machines, but I like to take risks. Risk is how you pack up your whole house in a box truck and drive it to Long Island to plant a church in one of the hardest regions to plant a church. I, that's a gamble. You don't know. But see, Jesus was the greatest gambling man because he put his love on the line, not knowing that you would accept his bid for intimacy. He put his love on the line. He turned towards you today. He turned towards you 2,000 years ago with his arms stretched out wide like that and said, would you only turn toward me? Would you only accept my bit of intimacy? Would you only receive all that I am and have for you? No, it won't be easy. No, you're still going to go through it, but let's go through it together. Let's go through life together, and then I'll show you abundant life, true life. And today's about taking your time because you live in a world that wants to savagely rip it out of your hands and make money off your time, make money off your attention. You got You live in a world that just wants to draw you out away from your family, draw you out away from your purpose and your design. Today, is there anyone in this house who's with me to take your time? Is there anyone here who says, coming into this Christmas, I'm not going to let the wounds from the past take my time. You know how many Christmases I messed up in my family? You know, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, and out of 10 years of her life, how many Christmases because of what happened to me in my past, dad couldn't be happy. I couldn't even celebrate it. And I miss precious years of her life. Don't you let anything take your time. Because it ain't get, you're not getting it back. I met with Lee Cockrell, who had 25,000 employees at Disney. And I sat down with him and I said, Lee, teach me some wisdom. Tell
tell me something that I flew to Orlando to hear to meet with you. And he said, people spend their time like they spend their money, but you can't get back time. Some of you in this place have allowed wounds to take your time. It's time to celebrate. You better believe I went from the Grinch to the Jolly Old Papa Six. And I started a tradition a couple years ago that was a healing tradition in my life where I said, we're going to go cut down a Christmas tree and I'm going to just fake it until this wound is healed. And all of a sudden we went and you can't cut down trees in Queens. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, my kids are going to look back at their life and they're saying, was your dad perfect? No, my dad messed up about seven or eight of my first Christmases, but he got it right one year and he started to take his time and he started to look me in my eyes and we started to make memories and, and he didn't let what happened to him in his childhood rob me of my childhood. He didn't let their hurt become my hurt. And if you're in this room, that's okay. You can clap your hands. If you're in this room and you want to make that commitment to be that kind of man, to be that kind of woman, this is when you say, I'm no longer a, a slave of fear. I'm no longer going to bow to that garbage anymore. Why don't you do this? Just close your eyes with me in this place. Because God's doing something in your heart. If you're here and you're saying, I need to learn today how to be patient and take my time. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. But no one looking around. Come on, maybe the wounds of the past, maybe the disappointments have robbed you of your joy. Come on, you can put your hands down. Now here's, this is something else. If you just look at me for a second, if you're here and you're saying, man, I'm reading, when you read Romans chapter five about how God put his love on his line, I didn't know he did that. And I've been rejecting. I didn't even know I rejected. Maybe, man, this is like more, I'm getting like bombarded by God right now. Some of you, there's somebody in this room. This is like happening in real time right in front of you. There's somebody here who thinks that they have been rejecting Jesus, but you've actually been rejecting religion. And that was a good thing. I know that doesn't sound right to some of you, but it's like you've been rejecting religion. Jesus rejected religion. It was the whole point of Emmanuel, God with us, was to push past all the rituals so you would know your heavenly father. That's why every time Jesus prayed, he prayed, he said, Abba. Even the Lord's Prayer that some of you learn in, in whatever school, our father, right? And so some of you have been in this place thinking like, I hated church. I hated religion. You've been rejecting some of the right things, but now's the time to accept Jesus, the person who's standing in front of you, extending this opportunity, saying, I'm putting my love on the line. I'm putting it on the line for you. So what I want to do is this. If you just close your eyes, I want to pray this thing out. We're just going to sing it out triumphantly after this because I believe that somebody's going to cross from death to life and they're going to take their time now. And the time that you're going to take back is called eternity. If you're here with every eye closed and you're saying, man, that's me. I've rejected church. I've rejected religion. But I see now that there is a person named Jesus that I need to accept. And I want him now. Man, people already raised their hands. Come on, anyone else? Wow. Wow. There's hands all over this place. Just put your hands down. I just want you to know there's a lot of people who just made a decision right now to take their time back with their dad, their heavenly father. And this Christmas is going to be unlike anyone you ever had before because this is the first time you have Christmas with the Christ of Christmas. 
out there. That's something to shout about. Can we all just get excited? Because we're about to say a prayer right now. And the angels are just going to be triumphantly, exuberantly, just singing. And it's going to be explosive. But we're just going to make a, a declaration. So all you have to do is borrow my words right now and, and just say these words and mean them in your heart. And then we're going to take you on a journey called discipleship where you can become a true follower of Christ and know more about that. But it starts with making this decision right now. So everyone in this place just join with all those who raise their hands and just make a moment right now and just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, today I receive you. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me clean. Jesus, I am yours. I will follow you. And today I take my time. Today I follow you. You are my God and I'm yours forever. And everyone just shout it out. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.